I want to be strong, to have the flexibility and confidence to play soccer with my kids or volleyball on the beach. I want to feel energetic and spontaneous with my husband. I want my body to feel the freedom to move and enjoy life, to hike Yosemite, surf in Hawaii, bike to the beach, to have fun with friends and not be limited. I want to do things that love my body, to feel and experience all the sensations of life. I want my body to be a force in nature that overcomes difficulty and resistance. I believe in health and wellness and daily consistent exercise. I'm here today with Nicholas Smith. He's a certified orthopedic clinical specialist strength and conditioning specialist, and recently a Movement Links certified clinician. His mission is to evaluate and treat movement dysfunction for optimization of human performance. And today we are going to talk about how to build muscle. Welcome, Nick. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, it's great to have you here. Good to be here. So tell us a little bit about your journey to become a physical therapist. So the beginning of my career as a physical therapist began with me being on the other side of the table. I was injured quite a bit in high school and uh, got the experience of kind of being the patient and thought this would be like a really cool way to stay in touch with athletes because not realizing that as a patient, I had 90 year old grandma next to me, my very closed minded view of PT. And uh, I thought that that would be a, a fun way for me to kind of stay interactive with people, but also uh, do something that I like. Mm-hmm. And um, realizing that I was a very mediocre athlete in high school, I didn't think I was going to be going on doing anything after that. So, and then obviously as I got into the journey further into undergrad and started working in, as a physical therapist aide, I, um, you know, kind of realized there's more to this field than just athletes that, you know, a lot of people need help. And um, another big influence uh, was um, my grandmother had multiple sclerosis and uh, getting to see how she was taken care of. And there's just a a large need for people, you know, whether it's in physical therapy or, you know, occupational therapy. I just figured it was a good way where I could, uh, you know, help other people. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about watching your grandmother with MS. So, you know, uh, from when I was born, I never got to see her walk. She'd always been wheelchair bound and, um, you know, very dependent, totally dependent, um, feeding, dressing, transfers, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, her caretaker that took care of her as long as I can live. And most of my, you know, my mom's life, she was, uh, really good about taking care of her. And I just, you know, it just kind of made me think that there's, there's ways to do things in life that are really selfish and there's ways to kind of like be helpful. And I, I've always kind of been the type of person, I, I don't know if it's subconscious or me trying to, but I like generally enjoy trying to help others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, uh, I just thinking about it and reflecting now, being a PT, I realized how much that had an influence on me. Yeah, for sure, to watch yeah. her, I'm sure. And then your injuries, what, what brought that about? You know, uh, growing up as a little kid, I raced... Um, professional or not I raced professional in PT school but I raced as an amateur BMX racer so smacked my head a couple times lots of scrapes lots of bruises scared my mom a fair amount of times and then as I transitioned into high school sports 
I had, you know, run-of-the-mill injuries from shoulder to knee to thumb, wrist, things that weren't super serious, but enough to do PT and you get back on the court. You saw what physical therapists did yes. at a pretty young age. Yes, exactly. Okay. And it was, uh, you know, at the time I was like, well, I, I always came back. I was able to play my sport, and it's pretty quick, and, you know, kids are resilient. They're like Wolverine, and they regenerate, and they just pop back up and keep going. That's really cool. So I got to see it from that aspect of things, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That's neat. So recently you did the residency. So for our listeners, yes. uh, to become a physical therapist, you uh, get a doctorate in physical therapy. Yes. And then Nick chose to do Kaiser residency mm-hmm. and also uh, to become a movement fellow, which is a year after PT school. Mm-hmm. And then he recently did the movement links program at APU. Yes. I would love to know just what those few years taught you. Okay, so um, after the for the for the listeners who don't know the the process of this, you know, in order to treat, you need to get your license. Um, so you go through the school, you get your diploma, and then you take your your boards in order for you to be a licensed physical therapist, so you can treat people. And then beyond that, um, you can take a, a program that helps you kind of specialize in a uh, specific niche. So. Uh, I decided to go along the orthopedic route. So orthopedics, meaning I work with anything that's musculoskeletal, your run-of-the-mill um, wear and tear injury, a um, post-surgery, you know, whether it's a, a total knee replacement, a meniscus tear, a rotator cuff tear, or if it's just general low back pain. And I wanted to um, pursue something to have a little bit of structure. Um, also, for the listeners who don't know, Beth was actually my clinical instructor in PT school and um, working with her as a student and seeing the other people at our, our clinic, it was kind of a, I saw that there was a lot more out there than what just school was to offer. And I knew that I was going to have to pursue something maybe a little bit more to kind of be at that, at that level. And so once I saw the standard, I was like, okay, this is uh, I gotta, there's more to this and there's a lot more that uh, I need to learn. And so I decided to complete that. Um, as a result, I was able to sit for my, uh, there's a board certified orthopedic clinical specialist exam that you can sit for. Um, it's not required. It's just, it looks good and it adds to your, your cool business card, I suppose. But, um, and then beyond that, I decided to um, pursue a fellowship program. I took a year off in between because I felt like I needed some time to kind of recuperate. It's a very uh, grueling first year um, coming out of school, trying to learn how to balance a schedule. And then on top of that, having weekend classes, working, you know, 40 to 50 hours a week, um, assignments. Um, So after I had some time to kind of uh, digest that first year, I decided to go on further into the movement specialist um, fellowship through Azusa Pacific. And uh, the reason I decided to go through that was... um, seeing that there's more out there you know we can as pts you you see the run of the mill injuries um that kind of come in and they came to be reoccurring but there was always a handful that were a little bit more challenging they require you uh a little bit more thinking and i wanted to i wanted to know how to give that extra special time and attention to really uh help those who really need it 
um, a lot of people do get better with time and as long as they have a structured program they do improve but sometimes there's those ones that just need a little extra and I wanted to be able to help them as best as I could ultimately it was just to help my patients better all right well we are going to move into content (laughs) so uh, yeah I think what women want is some muscle So we're going to talk about making muscles, making muscles. How do we do that? And also, how do we do that as we age? So let's just start with why is it good to build muscle? Okay. So uh, for anybody who's experienced any kind of um, exercise, um, if they've actually been rehabbing an injury, the thing that's often promoted is building some kind of muscle, Um, whether you partake in an activity there's a certain amount of muscle and strength that is required as kind of like a prerequisite, if you will, to be able to perform that. So um, for those who are just looking for overall wellness, muscle is important for being able to perform our everyday activities, whether it's doing laundry, um, being able to do yard work, um, anything that we're able to sustain, you know, life, being able to get in and out of our couch get out of the car, you know, go for a a fun little hike with the family, walk the dogs, whatever that may be, muscle can be the thing that allows you that freedom to be able to perform those exercises that you want. Yeah, very good. What happens to muscles as we age? So unfortunately, um, as we age, muscle does tend to dwindle. Um, Dwindle. Dwindle. Okay. So the word, the scientific word for that, they call it atrophy. (laughs) So uh, muscles do indeed get smaller with aging. Um, The firing and quickness that we have, that we had, you know, when we're younger, that tends to slow down. Um, Our ability to grow muscle is not as efficient as it once was due to hormone changes. Um, But not all bad. The one thing that we can preserve is our strength. So despite the size of our muscles getting smaller, um, we can preserve a lot of our strength going into our older years, which is very, um, very helpful. As a, as a clinician, as a coach, I really try to promote that. And there are videos out there on YouTube of, you know, men and women in their 60s, 70s, 80s, powerlifting and still lifting tons of weight. Incredible. And very strong. And so maybe not necessarily uh, what you deem as the, the bodybuilder, super ripped and tons of muscle, but that strength can still be there. Mm-hmm. So there is some hope. <laughs> there is some hope. So how can we prevent the aging issue? So the, the best way to, in, in simple terms, is just never really stop. Do something, whether it's you have a, a routine throughout your week, whether it's a, a routine walk, um, you, know, you can walk your dogs or you're gonna you know, you're on the, the third story at your work and you're gonna take the stairs every day it's just trying not to limit um, your activity as best as possible because as you know we tend to get more tired we have more activities we're juggling families we're juggling you know work and uh, we tend to let those things take over and our, our health mm-hmm. tends to kind of get tucked away because we're, we're getting along but we may not be thriving right so I think the best thing to is just to never really stop. Find something that you really love to do mm-hmm. and keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Find some way to stay moving. It doesn't need to be this grandiose three-hour 
exercise workout. It right. can be 15, 20 minutes a day scattered into five minute blocks throughout your day that's at your convenience. Mm -hmm. So for women, I mean, there's different aspects about muscles mm -hmm. and different women want different things. Of course. Um, thinking about building strength is one. Mm -hmm. um, thinking about building, you know, some tone mm -hmm. is another one. Um, thinking also for me, I uh, really do enjoy playing sports with my kids. Yes. So I want some power. So yes. some quickness, yes. some speed, some agility. <laughs> Pizzazz. Pizzazz. Yes. yes, I do want some of that. So just thinking about uh, exercise programs mm -hmm. and maybe being a little bit, let's talk a little bit more specifically. Yeah. So say, for example, a woman would, I actually have a few women who are doing my program right now that want to be able to jump mm. and they didn't realize that they can't jump anymore. Yes. Okay. Can you just kind of explain why that happens? And then is it possible to get it back? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so as uh, part of strength training or building muscle, there is kind of a, um, a process or continuum that you have to start with. So you have some baseline strength that you are required. If we're talking about jumping in particular, there are certain muscles that are required to produce uh, a certain amount of strength. Um, so for jumping, that is a squat with more speed. So when you start adding, like you said, the power or the pizzazz, that is a squat with ad uh, additional speed to that. So you can train your muscles, like for a squat, you can train you know, your, your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes, your calves to be able to perform a squat. And then when it comes to the jumping component, you kind of tailor your workouts to where you're adding some kind of speed. So on the, say you're squatting down to your chair, and when you come back up from the chair, you wanna do it as fast as possible. And there's obviously some technique that's involved being able to coordinate those muscles too, which is what comes with the training. And when you don't train your muscles to coordinate in that pattern, your brain tends to say, well, that's not important anymore. And you're like, well, wait a second. I remember how to jump rope. I could jump rope as a kid, you know? And then all of a sudden they can't, they can't do that anymore. And also the other thing is there's a certain level of strength and muscle that is required to propel the body in the air. So there is, um, you kind of have to start with a base layer of strength before you can start getting into a power. Right, almost like training for a sport, right? Exactly. You have to have like baseline strength before exactly. you think you're gonna you know, throw a baseball exactly. really fast or whatever. Yes. So say for example, because uh, actually this has been a question that people have asked me mm. and I would love for you to describe it. Okay. But um, what, why that happens. I mean, so there could be some muscle weakness in a certain area that mm -hmm. maybe a woman wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. What would you do? So she comes in to the clinic, she says, I wanna be able to jump, I can't jump. What mm -hmm. might you do as a physical therapist? So as a, as a physical therapist, I would run her through some, you know, a basic, what I would call like a movement exam or a structured exam. And there are certain components of a jump that are required. So. Um, just like with running, there are um, some prerequisite tests. So for example, I would want to look at their squat. 
I would also want to look at um, their calf strength. I want to see if they can, you know, get up on their toes because that is the end position before taking flight. Um, I want to look at hip strength. I want to look at core strength, and I would run through some some different uh, different tests. Um, definitely the squat, and I would also want to see what their landing mechanics are like. So I may not necessarily um, watch them jump, but I want to see, like if they were to drop all of a sudden, I want to see if their muscles are capable of slowing down. Right. Because that's the other part. You know, it's it's not just the producing power, but also being able to control that power as the landing. Mm -hmm. So there is a, a certain level of strength for different phases of a movement, which is what we have to, you know, as, as PTs, as coaches, we have to be able to see that and see where where the strength is lacking. Is it the... Is it the being able to produce power or is it being able to control that power? Yeah, that's good. And also then range of motion. Of course. You know, it, maybe it's yeah. possible that. It's like, yeah, can you even get into that position at all? Right. So, so maybe ankles are stiff, yeah. you know, hips might be stiff Very and all much that so. stuff. But. So there's a lot of things that we can go through. Um, you know, if we do need to regress back or peel it back even just to the basic, can you even get into this position and understand like, like the reason why you can't necessarily jump is because you your your joints your muscles aren't able to physically get there first so we may need to address you know your range of motion or your flexibility to be able to get there before you even get into the strength and power component of it well it's fascinating i think you know i'm in my mid 40s and you know, you do kind of remember. I mean, when I was in high school, I could, you know, play volleyball. We mm -hmm. hear this a lot from our patients. It's like, when when did that happen? Mm -hmm. You know, in your mind, you think, I mean, you're young, so I'm a little <laughs> older. So I can say that, you know, I, I in my mind, I feel like I can block. I feel like I could hit a volleyball. I mm -hmm. mean, in my brain, I just... I can see myself mm -hmm. doing these, you know, digging a ball. Yep. My body's just not moving that fast anymore. Yeah. And until you literally go out and play volleyball or try to do something, which a lot of people actually get hurt mm -hmm. because they think in their brain, yeah. oh my gosh, I can remember and I just can't. Uh, all that to say is it is a good idea if you are wanting to, you know, run again, jump again, it is a good idea to go see a physical therapist and yes. have just some of these things looked at so that you could maybe go out and play volleyball with your kids and not get hurt. That's the ultimate yes. and idea. I, <laughs> I think that's uh, oftentimes what we see, and you, I'm sure you can speak to this more than I can. A lot of the times that people get injured is because they decided to take up either a new activity or retake up an activity at a very quick rate. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I decided to go run a 5K today. I haven't ran in 10 years. Like, hmm. You know, yeah, running might, is awesome. There's nothing wrong with doing so the good movement. for you. Yes, <laughs> and not I, from couch to bed. Yeah, exactly. And I'm yeah. super encouraging of those people mm -hmm. who want to do that, but mm -hmm. they also need, you know, maybe I, I'm hoping that more people, you know, listening to this podcast are able to see, like, hey, maybe if I want to start a new activity, the way that I can keep this going for longer than the two months or, you know, heaven forbid they get injured, you know, they can go see a PT or go see a, you know, someone who has a good set of eyes that can monitor their movement and kind of get them on a nice program. Like, hey, you know what? I don't think this is outside of the realms of possibility, mm -hmm. but I think these are some things that we may need to set in mm -hmm. order to get to that. We mm -hmm. may need to start here and work on this and kind of reevaluate our goals. Yeah. So that way you can do your activity that you really like. You know, mm -hmm. if it's volleyball, you know, you may not be able to, 
layout for every ball that's you know five feet away from you but you know if it's reasonable and you can get it and that way you can keep doing your activities that you love yeah let's talk about training and goals and how important it is i know for myself and i'm sure you can attest to it too how important it is to have a goal that you really feel confident that you could meet how important it is to you like I'm training for a marathon right now, and that goal literally is waking me up mm-hmm. to get my shoes on, to get me out the door. Yep. Um, how important is that in I, training? I think in not just training, but I think in life, goals are probably one of the most important things that you can do. It's just to set a goal and to properly set a goal, being able to you know, write something out, like having it on paper, like from your brain and putting it out in the atmosphere, like that means something, it's personal. Like if you want to be able to achieve this goal, you're like, I want to be able to run a 5K or in your case, like I want to be able to run a marathon and then really have to think about like what is required of me to be able to do that. That's the long-term goal. But the short-term goal is I need to be able to run five miles. I need to be able to run 10 miles. I need to be doing my range of motion and my flexibility work i need to be doing my strength work on the side you know there are certain little goals that kind of spider web off of that big main one and i think that goals as a as a coach as an athlete being able to set those goals is super important um i i would say that's probably one of the most important things as far as interview you know when we do an interview with a with a a patient or a client it's like what are your goals and expectations Mm because when they say that it has personal meaning to them they tell you know they basically get to direct the therapy it's like i need to be able to pick up my grandchild i need to be able to you know take my dogs for a walk like what's important to them Mm -hmm. so i think that goals are probably one of the most important things you can do or to set Mm -hmm. as an athlete or a coach or whatever it may be what if you have a goal that you feel like people around you are telling you that's not important or that's not good or you can't do that or, you know, I mean, what do you do when you feel like people around you are saying, I, I can say people have said, I don't think a marathon's healthy. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, you know, maybe you played hockey in high school and, you know, you're in your mid-40s now and people are saying, you know, that's not safe, that's mm-hmm. not, but you love it. Yeah. You, you know, how do you, how do you help guide someone through that process I think you know it's it's easier for you and I because we can kind of see the we know what's required you've worked with enough people and you know I can't say that I've ran a marathon before but I know that there's a certain level of you know cardiovascular endurance and strength that's required to do that so if somebody sets me that goal and sometimes I'm not going to shoot it down but I'd let them know like these are the things that are going to be required of you in order to achieve this goal is that worth it to you right and you give it to them straight up mm-hmm. and I'm like I'm not going to shoot you down because yeah. like that's not for me to, that's mm-hmm. not for me to make that decision but I'll let them know very upfront like these are the things that are going to be required of you and I'm gonna it's like if you if you're saying this is the goal I will do my best to try to help you guide you towards that goal but this is the level of training the level required of training. Yeah. is really high right and yeah. the higher the level of mm-hmm. activity yeah. the more training of course I mean you look at those Olympians yeah. Incredible. I, I mean, the, the <laughs> highest level athletes, if you, what's deemed what you said healthy, 
It's like anything, you know, I always say, <laughs> this is something I always tell my patients, everything in moderation, including moderation. Mm-hmm. And when you're training for something like a marathon or an Olympic caliber athlete, that's not moderation. Mm-hmm. Your life is dedicated to that. Mm-hmm. You eat, breathe, sleep, that activity. Mm-hmm. So what's deemed healthy that's kind of it's kind of I'm with you on it I feel like life needs to be enjoyed and there is element of risk involved in everything we do everything we do has everything you walk out your front door there's risk involved because you know people do ask me quite a bit Mm -hmm. you know I want to be able to do this can I do it without getting injured yeah and at the end of the day I can't I can't guarantee that for any activity but I can always say yes these are the things required that will make your body stronger and you know decrease your risk for injury but at the end of the day you love it you want to go dancing you want to go have fun live life (laughs) live life yeah and I, I think that's good for the people who have you know it may not be necessarily something as much as running a marathon but you know it's if somebody's been, uh, you know, they're in the midst of going through physical therapy, and like I went, I went dancing, and I was sore for two days afterwards, or I was hurting. I'm like, did you have fun? Yeah. They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Did you catch on fire? Did you blow up? I'm like, no. no. I'm like, you're okay now? Yeah. All right. We got to get you a little stronger. Yeah. That's okay. That's good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I like, I don't want to take things away from people. I want people to be able to enjoy. And I, you know, this might be a little unconventional considering I'm supposed to be people rehabbing people, but I think it's okay to like explore a mm-hmm. little bit mm-hmm. um, and realize that you're not made of glass. Right. You know, the, how resilient the body our body is so resilient. Strong. And I think that's something that people need to realize. Um, more what we should be educating mm-hmm. how strong that, we are how strong we are it's mm-hmm. like yeah like i don't advise that you go take up you know mixed martial arts today or you know go into a um you know crash card derby or something like right but you know if you want to go explore something and realize that like yeah there's a chance that you might be a little sore the next day mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i think that's okay to explore and realize that your body will recover from that yeah and that's right you know that's that's part of this whole, you know, muscle adaptation thing mm-hmm. that we talk about. You know, you're putting stress. You're actually causing a little bit of harm to your muscles in order to grow. Yeah. And so, you know, the the bones get more resilient. Your muscles, your your ligaments, your tendons, and they can withstand that effort. So, mm-hmm. as long yeah. As let's talk a little bit more specifically. Yeah. So, if uh, someone is wanting to just build some muscle, um. What kind of routine would you recommend? I realize everyone starts differently, but if we could talk a little bit about just intensity of an exercise, yeah. the frequency, how, why the duration. I mean, some you know really strength and conditioning kind mm-hmm. of things, yeah. um, just to give people an idea. I mean, to really build muscle that regular. I mean, you have you can't just do a squat every. No. Now and again. No. So. To, you know, so obviously the programs, depending on what your goals are, um, whether it's actual hypertrophy or growing the muscle, whether it's strength 
or um, muscular endurance or power all has its different um, different volume and intensity. So the amount that we lift, the intensity that we lift, meaning how much we are uh, lifting in relation to our one rep max, which is what a lot of programs are based off of. So like if you're able to do a squat with 50 pounds and that's you can do that one time you would build a program around that based on that weight so let's say we're talking about just hypertrophy or the growing of muscle um, the the nerdy science portion of this says that you should be training that specific muscle two times a week doing about 10 to 20 sets of that particular muscle group and doing repetitions between 6 and 12 repetitions where you're approaching failure on each on each set. Wow. Which is where most people are kind of like, huh, so if you're able to text while doing your, your, your exercise, it's maybe not quite enough mm-hmm. weight on there. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this is coming more towards trained. You may realize that just being able to do the repetition and the movement might be challenging enough. Picking up that two pound weight is enough for you to be Mm -hmm. able to do that. Um, And then on top of that, it's being consistent and progressively adding more. So whether you're adding another set to that, you may not be able to do 20 sets of that particular um, muscle group throughout the week. 20 sets in a week? 20 sets in a week. So let's say you were to train your, you're going to train your arms. You're going to do your your biceps. Okay. Over the course of the week, if you were to do 20 sets, so that means you could do, say, three sets of 10, and then you could do uh, three exercises one day, or four, four or five exercises on one day and five on the other. Mm-hmm. Of different bicep sets, wow. which yeah, it's like just isolating literal yeah. the bicep. And the, you know there are some. If you want to get more into it, it also says like you know that can also count for like say a rowing motion. So you're still using your biceps with that. So it can be single and multi joint motions. Mm-hmm. So you know accumulatively it can. It, it sounds very daunting, but if you're gonna do you know say you're trying to train your glutes. Mm-hmm. You know, a squat or a deadlift would count towards that. And then you can maybe do some isolation movements or towards that glute specifically. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. quite a lot of sense. Yes. That so, would take yes. a really long time. And that's, I think, I think that's the thing that's... <laughs> and this is for hypertrophy? This is for hypertrophy, This yes. is for hypertrophy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. People are probably not getting that. Probably not. I actually, probably not. there's a, um, I just posted something recently on my social media and it was like kind of a, the recent summary through research of how to build muscle and a, um, very well-known PhD in muscle hypertrophy, Brett Contreras posted it. And it was a very beautiful summary of rest periods, volume, intensity, and it's very um, accumulative. And it kind of puts things in perspective like, wow, that's that's quite a bit. In order to make some serious change, yeah. this is what we have to do. And I think, you know, the standard uh, three sets of 10 is not enough. Not enough. And, you know, for for rehab, you know, we're, we're trying to get 
reps and reps and reps because mm-hmm. we're just a lot of times we're just doing body weight mm-hmm. so you know if we're trying to get that serious change in our brain to be able to build that connection 30 reps a day is not necessarily going to be enough mm-hmm. you need to do more mm-hmm. so yeah thank you that's good yeah. what kind of schedule do you follow what do you do for what are your so now it goals? now that I've kind of done jujitsu I kind of uh, my schedule is a little different than it used to be. Um, I, I have found that I typically use the gym as a means for training for the sport that I'm currently competing in or want to play. So whether it was racing bikes or powerlifting or now jujitsu, I kind of you know the activities are my workout themselves, and then I kind of use the gym as ways to. Um, train muscles that I would need Mm -hmm. for performance and also for longevity and my own personal health. Yeah. So right now I'm partaking in jujitsu about three times a week and then I do um, some kind of weightlifting or rehab type exercises Mm -hmm. another three times a week just to Mm kind of keep myself in shape and make sure that I don't explode and hurt myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, really important to talk about, just these deep muscles that most, you don't see them. I mean, a lot of the muscles that we really need to work on and train are actually not visible. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, but you know, the rotator cuff, the serratus anterior, the Mm -hmm. deep hip muscles. I mean, some of these muscles, Mm -hmm. we just don't really think about. The transverse, the core, pelvic floor, all these muscles. Um, You know, I'm doing, I do 30 day uh, strength training programs for women. Um, really, the idea is is to keep it short. So it's 15 minutes a yep. day, um, about five days a week, alternating, you know, upper body one day, lower body the next day, core the next day, basically hitting all areas. Yeah. Um, but just thinking about schedule for people. I mean, time is such a, I mean, it's tough, you know, and, and what do you pick as important? Yeah. I mean, how do you... So I think what's good about that, if you're talking about it from a rehab standpoint or say you're trying to achieve a certain task, I think that if you give them an exercise that is training those deep muscles that you talk about, but it changes their movement in a way that doesn't make it painful, that's usually that's usually a good seller. Good thing, yeah. So if you're like, well, like, oh, it doesn't hurt when I do this anymore, or I'm doing that, say they perform it better, like, oh, I can reach my arm over my head now like okay so that exercise that we just did these are the muscles that we're training if you get these stronger this will be your normal way of life Mm -hmm. and if you kind of like sell it to them and they understand like that matches up with their goal Mm -hmm. sometimes those exercises are they'll make the time yeah they'll realize oh you know my back hurts every time that I sit up for my chair at work because I sit too long but if I do these things or if I set this up a certain way it doesn't hurt anymore that's meaningful yeah so you know and when it comes down to time like you said if you give them something that's like achievable they're more likely to do it mm-hmm. that 20 sets sounds very daunting mm-hmm. so if you can give them something like you know what can you can you spend five minutes of your day doing this or in your case 15 minutes and mm-hmm. people are like yeah 15 minutes I can give I can do this I can give you 15 mm-hmm. minutes and then you know maybe three months down the line that 15 minutes turns into 30 minutes Mm -hmm. they can do your program and I'm going to go for a quick walk and they're just slowly building that and Mm -hmm. that's 
it's really how the muscle process works. You're yeah. progressively loading those muscles, taxing them to be able to handle more work. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's great. So a couple things. Uh, just as we think about muscles, uh, just rest and recovery. I mean, mm. what is that? I mean, what you just described with hypertrophy, I'm not sure. <laughs> Very many people in the population are really getting no. that kind of work out for no. each of their no, muscles. Because, no. no. um, you know, people do ask, like, what kind of rest and recovery do I need? And most of the time, my thought is you need to move more. <laughs> I yeah. mean, like, yeah. but uh, this is an important aspect because rest is really important, especially if you are pretty sore the next day or the... Totally. So what can that look like? Maybe give us an idea of some active rest, you know? Okay. So um, a lot of times, like, you know, an active rest could be something, you know, the hard thing about this topic, and even when it comes to the hypertrophy, is where is your baseline standard of movement? If you're coming from somebody who's doing nothing, that little walk to the mailbox might be a lot for you. That might be your exercise for the day. It's like, okay, well, that's what we got to work on. You know, that's our starting point. Whereas somebody like you who's training for a marathon and you're trying to add, you're like, you know what? I just need a little bit more muscle built on me. I just want to have a little bit more to kind of keep me going for those later miles. Mm -hmm. That's different. We're having a different conversation. Mm -hmm. So the same thing goes for a recovery day. Your active recovery day is going to look a lot different than somebody who may only do five minutes of exercise a day. If you can get them to, you know, squat on their couch, you know, five times every hour they're watching television, you know, something like that. Right. So um, an active recovery day, I think, is a really good opportunity to, you may not be necessarily taxing yourself. That volume and intensity is definitely down. It should not make you, it shouldn't stress your systems a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, In some cases, your active recovery day could be something that you really enjoy. Mm -hmm. That could be the, you know, the hike with your family. That could be um, going for a walk with the dogs. It could be going to yoga class. Mm-hmm. You know, just it, doing something different. Just doing something different. But moving. But still moving. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times after those days that are really strenuous, if you do a very heavy leg day, getting on and off the chair is a ta- is a very big task. Mm-hmm. So something that kind of keeps your, your muscles and your joints still warm mm-hmm. so you don't stiffen up. Um, my active recovery days are my rehab days. Yeah. Those are the days that I kind of dedicate to like, okay, I wake up, what's sore today? What's kind of aching? What's not moving well? What's stiff? What what positions were not easy to get into? And that's where I kind of tailor like, okay, I need to address my hip mobility today. Or, you know, I'm I'm feeling like my, uh, my power is not the same. Maybe I should work on some of my core, get an extra little bit in there. That's really good really listening to your body yeah. kind of tuning in with yes. yourself and seeing you know maybe something feels a little stiff mm-hmm. so you work on your your flexibility that day that's really good and I think that takes time you know if you're somebody who is training for a bigger event you kind of know what your body needs mm-hmm. and you can kind of flex on that mm-hmm. and I think for somebody who's starting up I think maybe you should dedicate a day to that whether it's you know two days on one day off to recover and you kind of set up a like oh i'm gonna walk in the pool today Mm -hmm. or i'm gonna do some kind of stretching to um to help you know recover yeah so whatever that may be it's really good i think it's good to maybe consult somebody on that if you don't know where to start i think it's really important to you know 
people who are listening to this obviously know that you're a, a great uh, source of information and you know consult somebody who kind of knows how to help you mm-hmm. you know you can due to our ability to um, we have unrestricted you know uh, access as a as a patient for physical therapy that model allows somebody to come in like hey I just need to be able to do this activity can I come in for an evaluation can you mm-hmm. look at how I do this and maybe give me some exercises that I can do to kind of get me on that path yeah it's really helpful I mean I think you know as a physical therapist we get to ask questions mm-hmm. so I think sometimes people feel stuck and they don't know what to do where to go mm-hmm. how to help um, but the nice thing about therapy is, I mean, as physical therapists, we just ask you. We yeah. just ask you, what, you know, what hurts, what, what do you need, what do you need, what do you want. I yeah. mean, how literally we're a guide. We're guiding someone's yes. bodies, ideally to become stronger, to be more functional, to feel like they can move better. Mm-hmm. And we but, have a really awesome opportunity to spend a lot of time with them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's not always the case, you know. Um, we get a pretty solid amount of time to get a lot of information to help them. Yeah. You know, so we end up being like the the hair salon or the barber, you know, mm-hmm. they, they tend to, um, the patients tend to open up. They feel comfortable yeah. talking with us with what they need. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. Yeah. Thank you. Well, as we think about closing, mm-hmm. I would like to know what are three daily practices, healthy practices that make you uh, feel well? Um, I try to do something every day, whether it's five minutes or an hour and a half. I just try to stay moving some way or another. Um, That's probably the biggest thing. Next biggest thing, I need something to turn my brain off. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it's you know, listening to um, like a Headspace um, meditation app or just reading a book that's brainless yeah. <laughs> or just consuming something that's different and being able to, um, to laugh, mm-hmm. <laughs> just something that kind of gets you out of your normal routine and um, spending time with people you love, I mm-hmm. think is one of the biggest things because it kind of helps you settle in and recharge. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super important. Um, you know, when you're setting these goals, you know, a lot of times family or somebody you care about is that big motivating factor. So I think that's definitely something that I strive to do is spend more time with family. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of like my reset. That's good. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on this podcast. You have a very active Instagram account. account. Would you like (laughs) to tell people how to connect with you? Yes. Um, so most of my stuff is on Instagram. I do have um, some content on YouTube as well and Twitter and Facebook. But um, easiest way to uh, find me is on my website. It is uh, Smith Forged SC, and you can find that in the, the notes below, and we'll connect all the social medias on there. But um, the website kind of directs you to how to get in contact with me you know, via email, and all of my social media links are on there. Um, but if you want to look for things as far as exercise, my Instagram is probably the most most active. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah.
Balanced by Beth is a podcast to inspire women to live strong. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personal medical advice. 